From Religion of Sports and ESPN Plus, this is a bonus episode of Man in the Arena, a companion podcast to the docuseries of the same name. Normally, of course, Gotham Chopra is your host here, but for this special bonus episode, you've got me. I'm David Green, a journalist and former host at NPR News. For 10 episodes, Gotham has looked at Tom Brady through the eyes of players and coaches, fans and haters, people whose dreams Tom Brady either ruined or made come true. Gotham also directed the docuseries on ESPN+, and that wasn't the first time they worked together. They also did Tom vs. Time. That chronicled his 2017 season with the Patriots. Well, now that Brady has announced his retirement, we are going to interview Gotham. If you've listened to this series, you've learned that Gotham knew Brady first as a fan, then as a collaborator, and now as a friend. Now, we should say we are recording this podcast the night of Tom Brady's official retirement announcement. Gotham, uh, I want to thank you for uh, letting me crash the party here, and uh, thanks for being a guest on your own podcast. I love it. I just get to sit here and answer questions. I don't. Yeah, like flip the script a little yeah. bit. Well, I guess I just start out by asking you how you're taking the the, the news of, of Brady making this official. I mean, it's a lot of mixed emotions, and it's the easy thing to say would be bittersweet. There, I will say, there's a sense of relief. You know, I described it that way because also so much part of my recent life has been telling Tom's story and not to say there's, you know, there's more story to be told for sure, but like this chapter feels closed and this, you know, constantly wondering, okay, like got to plan my life around being in New England or Tampa in the fall and tracking him during the off season just feels like, okay, I can shift my attention. So a lot of mixed emotions. We had a a trial run over the weekend and got a lot of texts and emails and calls asking what's going on. And then today was like the real thing. So it's all happened all over again. So I'm still kind of recovering or or just like making some sense out of it. So what about, I mean, are you able to separate the friendship from the fandom and, and, and tell me what, what your reaction is just as a diehard Pats fan? Yeah. I mean, look, as a Pats fan, well, but again, we went through this as a Pats fan, like, two years ago, right? When he left New England. When he left you, yeah. <laughs> I didn't believe it. Like, I just couldn't really, but I just think he had become so synonymous with the Patriots, with the region, with everything. I mean, just, you know, I grew up watching that. It was part of my life. So, you know, the thing about Tom, and we explore it obviously a lot in the series and in the podcast, is like football and Tom Brady was a sort of looking glass to understand bigger themes, bigger ideas, um, bigger life lessons. And the sport kind of faded and the games faded to the background. That's what they were. I mean, it's one of the things we take pride in just our storytelling, which is it's set in the world of sports. But it's not necessarily about the games. It's not about the wins and the losses. It's about the larger themes and ethos of sports. Well, let me ask you about Brady because it I always, as a fan, found him annoyingly amazing, obviously, as a Steelers fan. Um, but just like on the field, so decisive. Is that how he approaches big decisions in his life? It's funny that you say that. So first of all, I love what you said because that's like I, I think of that 
in the context of some of the stuff we've produced together, Tom versus Time and this Man in the Arena series, where yeah. people are like, oh man, I'm a Steelers fan, I'm a Jets fan, I'm a Giants fan, I hate Tom Brady, but man, I watch your series and like it, you know, it spoke to me. I really respect that guy, and you know, it's, it's a lot of life lessons and whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, that's when you know, like you're when you're overcoming these these hostilities that we have in sports, and you're actually connecting with people. So I love that appreciation that compliment. Yeah, he's broken my heart many, many times, but I respect the hell out of him. I mean, so there's that. Of course. Um, There's a lot of qualities, I would say, that I see on the football field that I've observed in him off the field. But on the other hand, there's, you know, Tom's interesting. Look, he's got a lot going on in his life, a lot. And I think that's, you know, it's only gotten busier in his life as he's gotten older. And I think that's a lot to do with why he's stepping away, because there's all these other things going on in his life that he wants to pay more attention to. Tom was definitely sometimes he he he's afraid of commitment. Like he's even like when I would be like, okay, what time do I need to be at the house? It was always like, let's check in later today. Let's check in tomorrow morning. Let's check in in an hour. It's and which is like a sort of joke, you know. And I've gotten so used to it because there's just so much going on that he has to navigate. So when you say, look, on the football field, it's like. He knows his reads, he knows his checkdowns, he knows who, you know, his first option, second option, and it's just, it's so decisive, yeah. where I think, at least in my experience, off the field sometimes, it's just, it's not as as clear, but it's something interesting about him. Do you think he was decisive about this decision? I mean, did you see a decisive friend approaching this moment? I could see, again, I've been with him a couple of years now, and every year it's been a, you know... I think for the last seven or eight years, it's been a topic of discussion in general, right? Like when he was 37, like people were like, oh man, this is the end of the line. Statistically, you know, quarterbacks after this age don't really perform, et cetera. So it was always out there. And yet he was very, he was very decisive. Like there wasn't much debate. And even at the end of New England, while New England was um, ending there really wasn't any discussion I can remember of that being the end. Like he still had a lot of football in him. I'd say the last two years, there was definitely a vibe of like, okay, it's coming. And there was a lot of discussion. And I don't think he really, I think that was all sincere when he said 45, maybe 50, but it was maybe, it was qualified. And and I think this was, this was there closer than it ever had been before. And then for a million different factors, you know, and I certainly don't want to speak for him or sure. really necessarily uh, those factors are personal, but they're off the field, they're on the field. And so I, I think the thing that Tom knows what it takes, 22 seasons tells you what it takes physically, mentally, emotionally, what is required to to win. And I think he just did the math and he could have physically. I mean, we just all saw it. He's, you know, in my opinion, MVP this past year. Um, but <laughs> not, not so he's performing at the highest level. But, yeah. you know, I remember a couple of years ago, I did a podcast with Michael Strahan, our other co-founder of Religion of Sports. And he's the one who told me, he said, you know, you get to a certain age and actually as an athlete, you sort of physically figured it out. You know how to take care of your body. You've figured out your diet and all of that. You've understood, you know, sleep and all these other things for recovery. It's mentally and emotionally, do you still want to do it? Um, and, you know, Michael, in his case, I think it was 37 or 38 or something, decided, I got it. I'm I'm done. I've had enough. 
And um, again, don't want to speak for Tom, but I think that's probably he he thought about it and and he was done. You feel like he was the MVP this year? I mean, 5,300 yards, I think off the top of my head, 40, almost 40 touchdowns or over 40 touchdowns. And man, that yeah. last touchdown, even in the playoff loss, looked like, I mean, I mean it just still had everything he, he always yeah. had. Yeah, I think so. And just look, it's also MVP is like the most valuable player. It's not, and what Tom meant to that team. I mean, no disrespect to Tampa, but like, I, I think we'll see how valuable he was to, to that team when we see them next year, yeah. you know, what they were before and, and what they might be afterwards. And look, he may have also instilled a, a culture down there. I mean, it's something I saw firsthand. That's the greatest value. It's not just the 5,300 yards and the 40 plus touchdowns. He brought with him everything he had learned in 20 plus years in New England. He really like. I think, imprinted that upon the organization, upon the players, et cetera. So, like, there's no question, in my opinion, but I'm very biased that he's the (laughs) MVP. This is a special episode of Man in the Arena from Religion of Sports and ESPN+. And we'll have more in just a minute. I have to ask you, as a Patriots fan, I mean, I I have a dear friend who's a Pats fan, and he was angry um that that brady didn't mention the patriots in his announcement on social media um how did you feel about that so you know i think tom would say well i did a nine-part series you know on which was basically an homage um to the patriots and you can go check it out on espn plus i mean it is that's what the series is you know we're working on the 10th episode but, you know, it's like I said, it's an epilogue, in my opinion. It is the cherry on top. But the series is largely just this celebration and this recognition of this thing that went on in New England. So I and then, you know, he had, you can go back and there's like a big, very loving goodbye to New England um, two years ago when he left New England. And there's also a lot to come. I mean, there's, there's going to be endless moments of remembrance so I get it. I Now let me put down my Tom Brady hat and put on my Patriots hat and be like, man, he's a Patriot for life. And yeah, <laughs> you know, it would have been nice to tag it. But, you know, we get so caught up in the moment. And, you know, I, I just, I get it. I, I understand. I've built a whole company around what sports means to people. But I also think, you know, if you step away, like it's not the end of the world. And I did also see later in the day, he was, you know, posting um, remembrances to New England on his Instagram stories and stuff. So I'm guessing that probably that might satisfied have people down. some folks. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the series, the docuseries, Man in the Arena, it, it started out as something really different, right? I mean, can, can you tell us the origin? Yeah, so the origin of the story, we had worked on Tom versus Time that, you know, went through 2018, the Super Bowl loss against the Eagles, which was tough, tough, tough. Um, And, you know, I think Tom and I had gotten into a rhythm, um, just working together, really enjoyed it. Tom versus Time was very in the moment. It was about that season. It was riding shotgun, everything, you know, filmmaking-wise, it was verite, et cetera. But in our conversations and I was a Patriots fan, Tom would talk a lot about, well, you know, there's in 2013, this thing happened. Because that's that's one of the, the genius of Tom Brady is like, there's this catalog of games in his head. And he's able to look at a week 12 game in 2017 and 
he'll use something he learned in 2004 or 2011 or 2001. Well, so he's like encyclopedic. I mean, he can access stuff like that whenever he wants to. Well, I mean, there's a there's a clip, I think, in Tom versus Time. You know, he, in his home in um, Boston, he took me into a study and he had all these binders full of all of his playbooks through the years. And he opened them up and he was going through and he remembers, you know, not just specific seasons, specific games, but specific plays. You know, he's just got this incredible memory. So I was just naturally like interested in in the prior you know, canon, which we hadn't really talked about. So anyway, I think we started talking about this idea of like these nine at the time, iconic, maybe it was even eight. Yeah, I think it was eight Super Bowls at the time. Um, and just what those games meant to him and what he had learned from them. So anyway, we, you know, had a good relationship with ESPN. It's Tom Brady. Like, for God's sake, it wasn't exactly the most defined pitch, but it was going to be, okay, these eight, iconic games and we were going to do short form i think espn plus was just getting on its feet and like a lot of quote digital streamers it was more focused on short form content so we're going to do a series of you know eight episodes i think around 15 minutes and then as we were doing the contract i think the Patriots went to the ninth Super Bowl and won that. And it was like, okay, cool. It's going to be a nine-part series. Then we started filming and then all the stuff happened. You know, I think they started seeing datas and algorithms started telling them longer form stuff was working on the platform. So that was one factor. Then, um, you know, I think I realized also in order to understand a Super Bowl, you actually have to understand the context the the season like the super bowl is only as good as the season that comes from it and to some degree to understand the season you then need to understand just generally like the off seasons what's going on so all of a sudden and i was the creator's like man there's a lot of story here to tell so we worked that out and these things became much longer oh by the way tom brady left went to tampa bay and i remember i guess that would be last year everybody kept on saying at ESPN, it's like, so what What happens if he wins another Super Bowl? Like, is this going to become a 10-part series? And I think I was, like, watching like, what was going on in the field and maybe listening to Tom, you know, in some of his early season frustrations. And I was like, yeah, don't worry. Like, we don't, we don't need to worry about that. It's never going to happen. And then, lo and behold, of course, it happened. So ESPN well, had an option. They exercised it. And here we are. We have a 10-part series. So the 10th episode isn't out yet. What should we expect and will it address the the end of his career? We had a pandemic in the middle of the production mm -hmm. of this series. That required wild adjustments. You know, not only did he move teams, move homes, so that was a whole logistical thing. There was also a pandemic, which, you know, production got affected, travel got affected, everything got affected. And so we had to recalibrate. And then Tom is very, you know, like you don't, really get a lot of access to Tom Brady when the football season starts. So there was a lot of cramming of stuff in the off season, but navigating around COVID and restrictions, et cetera, et cetera. So we couldn't really get that last interview in before the off season started. Plus Tom was like, 
he's like the New England thing to him already had space, not, you know, it had time when you're looking back almost 20 years, but it also had, I think he had moved on. He, so he had a lot of mental space. He had a lot of perspective. And if you watch like the ninth episode, it's all about perspective. It is the theme. And so he felt like he didn't have perspective on Tampa, the experience last year, because he was still very much in it. He was trying to do it again this year. And then by the way, we didn't, do the interview because we didn't really have time. We were just trying to, like, get as many interviews as we could before the season started. So the reality is we don't have that interview, and we were always planning on doing it after the season because he would have time, hopefully he would have perspective. So when it didn't come out, people sort of freaked out. And we're like, oh, my God, this is a sign. Something's happening. Like, there was another rumor that, oh, Antonio Brown was, like, the the special, you know, contributor. We didn't interview Antonio because we didn't, you know, the way we do this is we, we interview Tom. Tom tells a story. Tom talks about people. Then you go off and find those people. Right. So I'm not saying we wouldn't have got Antonio, but we didn't have Antonio in the can. So anyway... Here we are, all this retirement talk starts happening and people start speculating about it. Now, in real time, <laughs> scheduling an interview with Tom um, and figuring, and yeah, I mean, tonally it does change, of course. This chapter's ended. We were really careful in some ways not to talk in the first nine episodes too much about Tom Brady's legacy. I think he was uncomfortable with that because he's like, I'm not, it's not legacy time. I'm not done. He's done. I think legacy is fair game. You know, that'll probably be a part of part of the 10th episode. And in some ways, you know, I probably had a sort of idea of what this 10th episode would be. And now it changes, you know, it changes as of however many hours ago he announced his retirement because it just it's just different. And so we'll figure it out. And Gotham, we should say Man in the Arena, not the first series you worked on with Tom Brady, right? You mentioned Tom versus Time. And, and I wonder, can you remind us how that came about? Tom had a relationship already with Facebook um, at the time and, you know, it sort of was on the platform and their algorithm had, again, told him, like, he was a really popular athlete. So I think it started as he was about to turn 40 that year and he was going to do, he was going to train to run a 40-yard dash on his 40th birthday, which is in August, a few weeks before the season started. And he was going to see if he could beat his 40 time from the combine. I think a lot of people have seen that combine footage of a, you know, fairly not necessarily a specimen Tom yeah. Brady running the 40. So that was like the thing. It was going to be a social media thing. And we were going to, you know, see him in the off season as he does his pliability training and his hydration and all this other stuff that he does um, to to prepare. And then we'll see. And it'll be fun little social media thing. And I think we, we did it. I spent a lot of time with him in the off season. It was super fun. It was really interesting to me because I was like, oh man, like, he really, like, this is a 24-7 operation. This isn't like, oh, we've got three weeks trained for the season. Let's, you know, crank it up. It was like, I think I'm first time we started filming was like a couple weeks after the Super Bowl, um, you know, which had been February. So here we are in March and guys like in his backyard in Brookline, Massachusetts, you know, doing resistance work with his trainer, Alex Guerrero. And he takes this serious. And then I was with him in Montana. I think I even went to China with him that off season and he was finding parks and stuff like in the middle of Beijing to work out um, during the off season. 
So anyway, like we did that whole thing. We got, he ran the 40, I think we were in Montana or something like, um, or maybe we were back in New England. It was unofficial. I think he beat it or it was really close. It sort of, but it became secondary. And the storyteller in me was like, huh. And I had gotten to know him well enough at this point, traveling around the world with him, that I went to him. I said, you know, in storytelling, we're like, there's a setup, which we've done. The payoff is like, what's going to happen actually this season where you turn 40? So can we just keep rolling? And Tom at that point was like, sure. He was very like, it was Patriots, and he was like, listen, we can't be rolling around in that stadium with big cameras and boom mics and big crews. But he's like, but if you want to like, you know, you got a camera and you want to follow me and we'll do most of this stuff at home, we'll just keep on like tracking like how, you know, my my process, sure, we can keep doing that. A lot of drama off the field that year in particular, but, you know, on the field also, it's just like the momentum started picking up and, you know. Here we were in freezing-ass Minneapolis for the Super Bowl. As a Patriots fan, I was super bummed when the Patriots lost that. Um, I hated being in Minneapolis. Everything about that was terrible just in terms of cold and the results of the game. But then, you know, I think 10 days later as I was sitting with Tom and he was processing that loss and he was talking about this was his first loss where he was a dad. And he huh. he said it was really different. I started seeing it from my kids' perspective and all that stuff you tell your kids, which is, you know, it's not about winning or losing. It's how you play the game and it's, you can't let, you know, you have to be willing to get back up and stuff like that. He's like, I had to, I had to do it. I had to like actually do it to show my kids. And so it was very different. And so in that way, as a storyteller, I was like, oh man, that's so much better than had they won. You know, it's like, we, we get to hear from him. He's the, he's, oh yeah, he's a human being. And so it was kind of the perfect ending for Tom versus Time. It was a terrible ending as a Patriots fan. Yeah. Um, but as a filmmaker, as a storyteller. And then, by the way, what did he do? He took that loss and he used it. And the very next year, he wins the Super Bowl. Oh, and then, by the way, two years later, he leaves and he wins another Super Bowl yep. in Tampa Bay. They just kept adding up, didn't they? <laughs> We're going to have more with Gotham Chopra right after this. So that last Super Bowl run, I mean, you you mentioned that the season had so many ups and downs. Um, I mean, can you take me to the middle of the season when Tampa was was struggling? I mean, you, you had this up-close view, and I wonder, did, did Brady change anything to turn things around? Did you see, like, the emotions of, yeah. of frustration and, and wanting to do oh, something? Sure. Like, what, what it did... Tom is both, he's super competitive, you know, and he gets frustrated, you know, when things don't go the way he wants them to, and he wants to win. And so I think he's, he struggled. And, you know, again, in New England, there was a culture that you could always fall back on the habits of the, the system that had been implemented over years and years by Bill Belichick and, and just like all the assistant coaches, you could always fall back on that. In, in Tampa, it was very different. There's different, you know, obviously good coaches, good coaching staff, all of that, but very different. And so he had to adjust to that. And I think it was a harder adjustment maybe than he anticipated. So there was some frustration. There's just always frustration after you lose a game. The other thing, though, Tom has, probably unlike anyone else has, is he has perspective. And I'm not sure that there's anything, when you look at the season in Tampa, the way it went, some of the losses, 
that he hadn't experienced before. So I think it was sort of interesting. On the one hand, if you look like weekend to weekend, like within the game, what happened, penalties or turnovers or whatever, sure, there was frustration. But I also know like you get away from the game, you get a little, you know, in the middle of the week, you're looking at the tape, you're looking at the schedule. Tom always would tell me, he's like, you split the the season into quarters, first four games, second four games, third and last quarter. And it's like those first two quarters, you just want to, you just want to stay in it. Like you want to stay in the race and you want to make sure week to week you're learning. So even if you are losing and you lose a game, what did you take away from it? Because you want to get to November and be in the running. And that's when you start turning it on. And actually, if you look back at the Buck season, it's a little bit later, maybe, I think. But that's when they really started to turn it on. And you could see. And then, like, winning is contagious. Winning has a momentum. And it was a very unique season last year because of COVID and just all sure. the sort of isolation and stuff like that. And I actually think that probably contributed to some of their success because all of a sudden it was like you were in this, you were all forced together, you know, and um, you're in this sort of this weird lab and and you have like the mad scientist, Tom Brady, to help you figure it out. And I actually think that he relied a lot on everything that he had learned in New England and I think we had some fun, too, because we were in the middle of, I think, back last year and then into this year, we were sort of in the middle of post-production, putting this together. And, and Tom was looking at cuts, not like really giving comments, but we would share it with him. And I think he enjoyed it. And he would actually look at it and be like, oh, interesting. That reminds me, I did this thing in 2004 or 2007 or whatever. Huh. And he was able to then bring that with him. That encyclopedic mind, always, always running. It's the thing I find most fascinating about him is like everybody, everybody at this point knows about, you know, his, his TB12 and his pliability and yeah. his hydration and his smoothies and all of the physical stuff that he does to obviously perform at 44 years old. It's the mental and emotional stuff that is the secret weapon. And that mental game, uh, there's no defense there's you know there's no defensive coordinator who can outsmart tom brady i mean what what could you possibly throw at the guy that he hasn't seen a thousand times on the field and then he's really good at managing his emotions you know he he gets irritated annoyed but he's just like for the most part he just he's got such an equilibrium and winning and losing it sort of fades away fairly easily for him um and he's just on to the next one what does he do with criticism? The podcast series had an episode on on Brady haters, um, and yeah. it, it seems like he almost thrives on it. It's an interesting paradox because I heard two things from him over time, and one was ignore the noise. It doesn't matter. You don't hear it. Like you, you have this ability to put it aside and just sort of focus on the task at hand and one game at a time and one play at a time, all the cliches you hear. I actually think he and his teammates really good. I think that was so much a part of the New England culture up there was just, you know, just plow forward, do your job, all that stuff. There's also a part where it's like, you know, oh, you hear it and you just, okay, got it. And you file it away. Oh, we're cheaters. Got it. Got it. You know, let's, let's use that. Oh, I'm too old. Okay, got it. 
I hear that. Again, one of his great attributes, and it's not just him, I've seen this with other athletes, is the chip. It's the chip. And you put the chip on your shoulder, and the media is really good at that. Like, there's especially more and more in the world of podcasting and blogs and all that sort of stuff. There's endless media. So there's endless chips, and you just find a way to file that stuff away, and then it's about proving the doubters wrong. One part of his his recent career that really um, struck me as a as a Steelers fan, I mean, was was when Antonio Brown, who had been through so much and so much criticism and so many different emotions. I mean, he he came to New England, and and Tom Brady really took him in in so many ways. I mean, let him live in his house. Um, and even through recent times, just, you know, sort of stood by him in, in different ways. What did you think about him? What did you see? Tom's a really good guy. I mean, he's a really good guy. And um, he sees the best in people. When Antonio, I guess, was living with Tom, I wasn't, we weren't really, I wasn't down there for much of that um, when Antonio was living with Tom. So I can't really say too much on that. But I do know in general he sees the best in people and he wants to he wants to help bring out the best in people he's just a decent human being i mean i sound like so saccharine saying this but i don't know i feel like i can it's day he retired um so <laughs> you know i he's just a really good guy i mean he texted me this morning you know this is the day he's retiring and my wife was having a medical procedure today and tom was checking in on her you know and this is like the day where the whole world is talking about him and, you know, he's leaving me a message in the morning saying, I'm thinking of you guys, and I know it's going to go great. And, you know, text me later and let me know how it goes. Mm. That's him. Is your wife doing okay? She's doing well. She's okay, she's good. home and uh, resting. A little hopped up on some drugs right now, some painkillers. But, um, yeah, she's doing great. Thank you. You know, the, the saying is you should never meet your heroes. You kind of met your hero. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and I... I just think about as a as a fan, you know, in Pittsburgh. I I think you know Jerome Bettis, Sidney Crosby, Andrew McCutcheon. Um, I can't even imagine developing a friendship with with people who I've just rooted for as a fan so passionately. Like, what was that transition like? And did your view of him change or not change when you made that transition to friendship? So, you know it. It was a gradual thing, I guess. And Tom versus Time was a very intensive time, I think, in his career in New England. Um, it's probably, in some ways, the beginning of the end, maybe. You know, it was just a different phase. Um, but it was intense because there was a lot of success at the same time. And so I think we just sort of grew close. Um, and then we had fun. And and Tom got a hang of it, and he's a really good storyteller. I think you can see that in Tom versus Time and then Man in the Arena. It just grew, and, and part of it was when you get to know Tom, because he's such a family guy, you get to know, you know, his wife, his kids, his parents, his sisters. And so they've just been incredibly gracious to me. I mean, it's just one of those things that, like, every time I would leave New England or Tampa, I would think, like, wow, they like, just, like, so nice like everyone's so nice and i would send you know him a text or his wife a text and just you know thanking them so today was this you know again like we started talking about at the beginning it was bittersweet but you know it's like talking to his sisters and his parents and and really just celebrating i think what has been this incredible experience like it's not even it's codified i guess by the by the success on the field but it's so much more than that. It was just this incredible journey 
um, that I think we'll be making sense out of for a long time. But for those of us who are lucky enough and to have had like this seat on the bus, um, it was it was pretty profound. I, I mean, it's nothing like it in the modern history of sports. I mean, you as a storyteller have, have built a company and a franchise around this idea that that sports is so much more than about wins and losses. That that we can take so many life lessons from from sports. Um, help us internalize this moment. Like what, what should we as humans be taking yeah. from this? You know, I think of this through the lens of my son. He's 14 years old and he's athletic and he loves sports and he's like most kids, you know, is in different sports programs, but I don't put my kid in sports because I think he's going to become the next Tom Brady or Steph Curry or Michael Phelps or whatever. It's, because of the lessons, right? What does sports ultimately teach us? It's about accountability. You're part of a team. And one of the greatest compliments I've heard over the last few weeks now with Man in the Arena is people keep telling me, it's like, oh, I'm sitting down with my kids and I'm watching this because, man, there's a lot of good lessons. You know, I would venture to say, I, I think I can say this with confidence, there will never be another Tom Brady. You can watch Man in the Arena to death. It's not going to teach you how to be, you know, a 10-time Super Bowl um, quarterback, seven-time champion, all that sort of stuff. But you're, you probably, if you watch it, if you have your kids watch it, they're going to pick up some life lessons that are going to be very valuable for them in whatever field of life that they go down. And, and I think that's, to me, what sports are about. It's like you can, there's an immediacy to sports. Like, you can't fake it. You, you got to show up. And you got to compete. Doesn't mean you always win, but um, you always. One of my favorite sayings from Tom is, um, "You either win or you learn." And uh, I use that a lot. I use that a lot of my son, poor kid, uh, right now. Um, but that's that's what I've taken away from it. Well, Gotham, I, I I was really struck by how you framed this moment in Tom Brady's career in the podcast series. I mean, talking about that it's entering this void leaving something that has so defined you and for for so much of your life what what do you think we can all take from from watching tom brady go through this transition you know, we talk about tom brady like he's some old guy he's 44 and i realize in football terms that's sort of ancient but he's a young man and he's got his whole life ahead of him and while yes it's scary to transition from one thing where you've been great you know to the next thing where there's a lot of uncertainty um i think he'll bring with him a lot of wisdom from all the things he's learned on the football field that he'll be able to apply in life. And and also the, one of Tom's great gifts is his willingness to listen. Um, he's curious. He always talked about, you know, football for him was a never-ending learning experience, learning from his teammates, learning from his coaches, and all of that. And I think bringing that curiosity and that willingness to learn and to listen, um, that's an incredible quality. And I have no doubt that he's going to have, you know, as much success in the next phase of his life as he had, which is, you know, saying something. But, you know, when you look at, like, this is, again, this is one of the things I love about the series. It's like, I look at it as like this master class in, in leadership and, and learning. I think that ability to sit back, have some perspective, listen, watch, and let things naturally unfurl before you. I think it's it's a quality I've seen in Tom. It's probably one he's going to put into practice. 
And it's probably one that we could all put into practice, you know, at certain times in our lives when we're facing that sort of uncertainty. And I think it, it'll lead to great things. Gautam, I really enjoyed this. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no, this has been really fun. I appreciate you doing it. It's nice to sit on the other side. <laughs> it's Gautam Chopra. He's the co-founder of Religion of Sports and also the director of the Man in the Arena docuseries on ESPN+. And also, of course, normally the host of this podcast. I'm David Green. Man in the Arena is a Religion of Sports production in partnership with ESPN+. You can go back and listen to any of the episodes of this podcast. You can also go back and watch the nine episodes of the docuseries on ESPN+. This episode was produced by Sarah McCrory, Jocelyn Gonzalez, Merritt Jacob, Michael Garofalo, and Steve Nelson. The executive producers are Amit Sankaran and Adam Schlossman. And for ESPN+, Plus, Brian Lockhart, Senior Vice President, Original Content, and ESPN Films. Lindsay Ravenio, executive producer, ESPN Plus Originals. Tori Champagne, producer, ESPN Plus Originals. Julia Lowry Henderson, senior editorial producer. Riley Bloom, production assistant. And lastly, special thanks to Kyle Vass, Jessica Popovac, Joe Levin, Iggy Manda, Megan Coyle, and composer Michael Kramer. 